You're listening to Between Two Bridges, a business-to-business podcast. With your hosts, Anthony R. Destiny, Joe Ferriani, and Jerry Kenna. Interviewing entrepreneurs, business operators, and investors. This episode of Between Two Bridges is sponsored by Paymont Payroll. Payday is the most important day to your most important people. And Payday is made easy at www.payyourpeople.com. We're here with another episode of Between Two Bridges. I'm your co-host, Anthony Ardestini. Joseph Ferranti. Jerry Kenna. And uh, the man of the hour, I guess the name's synonymous with Oakmont. You want to give us the elevator speech? Greg Saxon. What do you do <laughs> for a living, Greg? What do I do for a living? That's a good question. Um, I'm retired. Okay. But uh, after retirement, I spent a couple of weeks at home into kitchen table watching my wife work and just staring at her beauty every day (laughs) and she said you got to get out of here so i decided to uh look for another business to get involved in and uh, with my son-in-law they do welding work specialty welding work on uh, tractor trailer axles and i rode shotgun with him on a couple of his applications and thought it was a good match for me to go ahead and try to use that technology and expand it into a other state that they're not presently in so I figured out which state would be the easiest to get to that's available, and that was the state of Virginia. So I started cold turkey with uh, nothing, no experience or anything. Um, went out, made sales calls with my daughter, Gina, to help me get started and established a website, made a customer list, expanded that customer list to as far as targets go. And before you know it, we started uh, doing axle jobs. and. Last year, we did 64 axle jobs, and this year, we're on our way to do over 100, probably. Nice. So it's, it's going well. It's a part-time gig, but it keeps me busy. So that's what I'm presently doing. And the goal would be to find somebody to take over the license in the next year or two uh, down there and then be available to help with uh, Liberty Welding in other ways in the future. So is the plan to, to sell that license and let somebody else run the run that area yourself or would you maintain ownership and just have somebody that was out doing the running? I would do maybe a hybrid where they, they actually own the license. They take over the license that I had paid for and they have to comply by the license by buying the materials and everything from paying a royalty to Liberty Welding uh, on an annual basis. So I would possibly sell the license to them and uh, if they couldn't meet my uh, requirements for funding, then I would put some kind of retainer on there that would pay into the Royalty future. or some sort. Right. And then it still would be the same benefit to Liberty Welding as me being a licensee right now as well. So yeah. it, uh, it helps to expand their business and keeps me busy. Yeah. I enjoy uh, challenges and you can't get up in the morning without having a purpose. I don't know if anybody's ever had that feeling, but it's a really weird feeling after having purpose for 40 years. Yeah. I get that a lot dealing with uh, tax clients that come in 
the first year after retirement. And sometimes people are like, it's great. I don't know what day it is and I don't care. It's every day I'm on vacation. And then, but there's other people that I can see like that are lost. Oh yeah. Don't know what to do. Just like, I don't like this. I'm going to go try to find something to do because I can't, I can't sit at home. I just feel lost. Oh, Jerry, whenever I, there's times where I'll go for one or two weeks without having a call from a customer and, and I start to think, what did I do wrong? So I, I jump in the car and I drive to Virginia and I go to every customer and make sure that I'm still on their list. And uh, and they say, yeah, you're our guy. You know, I said, well, my ribs are starting to show, so I need some work. <laughs> but uh, it's 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 an odd feeling when you feel that you're not needed out there. And yeah. uh, when you are needed, it's exciting. Even if you're not making boatloads of money, you're helping people. Yeah, we talked about that in other podcasts where you know, especially like Joe's manufacturing company that a lot of his customers buy in like volume, but only occasionally. So sometimes mm-hmm. sales are slow and you're like, well, I guess I'm, I guess I'm done. I guess the business is done. Yeah. <laughs> we just had, we went through that. We went like 11 days without an order. Oh yeah. And I'm like, man, what, it, like did this bottom just fall out of this thing, you know? And then boom, a hundred case order Four skids are going out the door on Tuesday. I'm like, we're back in business, you know? <laughs> so, oh yeah. Yeah. That's like, I, Takes me back to a story that uh, my mother used to tell when my father first started uh, the Conco business. Um, he worked for a local um, screw machine shop here in, in Oakmont. That's what brought us to Oakmont when I was six years old. And uh, he, re- he was a general manager and um, there was a strike and corporate office said, you need to settle this strike, George. And he said, if I settle that strike for what they want, you might as well close these doors because we're going to go out of business. They said, that's fine. We'll settle the strike. You can leave. And they let him go. They settled the strike and they closed the doors several months later. So the labor relations attorney that my, had, my father had working for him to help him through the strike said to my dad, hey, I got just a great opportunity for you with this little business in uh, the West End of Pittsburgh. And he introduced my father to the, the owner, a little old lady that owned Conco. Um, she was making parts by herself with her brother-in-law and uh, selling them to power plants. And my dad said, it's a perfect business for him. He's got an engineering background. So he buys the business. He finds two partners to find the last $3,000 to get the business going, takes over the business. And uh, he's uh, laying there in bed after the first several months and there's no orders coming in. And he's laying in bed, tossing and turning in the morning and he says to my mother, you think that old lady shafted me? <laughs> and uh, my mother said, no, this is what you wanted. You better go out and make it work. He got up that morning, got his briefcase, packed a bag, and went on the road selling. And uh, you're right. It's, you got to go out and get it. it yeah. uh, it's how it works. So I, we, on a previous episode, we were talking about how, like, in Oakmont, everybody went to, like, Tedgewater to work back in the day. Like, it was, you knew you were either going to college or you were going to Edgewater. Right. And then in our generation, it was kind of like Edgewater was gone. But you either went to college or you went to work at Conco. <laughs> yeah, it was the 13th grade. Yeah. It made a lot of people into, into men. Uh, yeah. You know, you yeah. get to travel. And those jobs, when you did go to Conco at age 18 or higher, you worked in the field uh, in power plants and around the world. And uh, the, a lot of people I took to the airport who were getting on an airplane – Living after living in Verona their whole life for Oakmont, yeah. never been out of Pennsylvania, and right. you got to yeah. take them in and show them where the counter is and where to get the ticket and how to get to the plane. And um, 
after that, they travel and see the country. And a lot of people end up moving out to places like um, Scottsdale, Arizona, um, places like that, that they never knew existed. Yeah, yeah, cool. Very cool. cool. It's one of the nice benefits of of being part of Conco is to, to know that you helped a lot of people expand and launch into manhood, I guess. Yeah. There's yeah. some characters that I know that come out the other side a lot better people <laughs> for that experience. <laughs> well, sometimes it would be, you know, cause it's a, it's a, I, I consider it a, uh, you need to be a real, like a freedom oriented person, a person that's almost uncontrollable in their personal life, unless they have something like that. Meaning, right. meaning your option are to go to work travel and you get with Conco, somebody gets you out of bed every morning and you go to the job. Otherwise that person might end up in jail somewhere because they're making their own decisions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But until they get to that maturity level where they can handle their own responsibilities. So it's, it's a good thing. I went and did a job, not for Conco, but for a guy, I guess that started at Conco projectile tube. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's another Oakmont guy, I think, but Ralphie Bauman recruited me to go on a job and I did it one time. I'm Push the push those cleaners in and shot them through with a gun, and I was like, "This is not for me." Yeah, <laughs> this is like I'm afraid of heights. I'm afraid of small spaces. <laughs> I'm afraid of Ralphie Bauman. Yeah. I was like, "None of this is what I need to be doing right now." Well, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a bring you to Jesus kind of job, that's for sure. <laughs> and and you realize you're in a big facility like that, and. Uh, you go out to the van to get a tool or something and you look up at the big stacks and the big water uh, towers, cooling towers, and you realize if I drop dead right here, right now, this place is still going to run the rest of the day. They're not going <laughs> to shut it down and say, oh, my God. So, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's an awesome, awesome feeling. and It's an overwhelming type of job. Yeah. So, the, so he goes out trying to make the sales calls. What, at what turn, at what point did Conco turn because Conco became a very, I mean, from a $3,000 startup where he purchased his business. No, it was more than 3000 okay, but I mean, that yeah. was his partner's participation. Yeah. To, but, to what he. Yeah. Well, he into. started out there and uh, I remember what year was it when uh, Roberto Clemente died? I think it was 1972. Sounds about right. New, yeah, Year's, right. New Year's Eve or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> we, uh, we needed some orders, I guess. And I was eight years old at the time. And my father and mother promised us a nice trip for Christmas where we would go to Disney World. And, hmm. oh, that's great. So the day after Christmas, uh, all of us, my mother and father and four kids, piled into the back. Or the, the, it was a Buick LeSabre, dark blue. <laughs> when he finally got rid of it, it only went in reverse. But we, we drove all the way to Florida. It took us three days to get there. We stopped at every power plant on the way and made sales calls. And then... Uh, on the way, we spent 24 hours, I think it was, maybe 36 hours in Disney World, turned around and came back and did the same thing on the way back for the plants that we didn't call on on the way down there. And my father brought back some orders from that trip. And um, he went uh, to, I believe, Allegheny Valley Bank and used those for some collateral to help expand the business for the next couple months. And from there, uh, we sold only the tools at that time. We were just a manufacturer. And uh, then uh, they had four or five people in the shop. Uh, we used to make the assemblies of the cleaners on our front porch with the whole neighborhood kids. Uh, you'd make 50 cents a box, and it'd take you two hours to fill a box. And, oh, wow. Uh, and Gina was bitching about making five bucks an hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
But then, uh, like in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, when we got into actually applying our tools in the field at power plants where we had service crews, that's where we started to expand uh, more greatly. And my father wasn't so sure about the service business, but my brother Ed uh, was, and it worked out. Um, We established uh, what the new um, bar was uh, in field service work at that time. A lot of power plants had their own maintenance crews and everything like that that would do all that work. But at that time, you started seeing people try to shrink their workforce and get away with hiring contractors versus doing the work in-house. And that's where it started to grow. And then uh, whenever I I came out of college, um, I was the last one to enter into the business. And um, I think we had maybe... 30 employees or something at that time. And then when my father retired at age 60, we had like 45 employees and uh, he left it all to us to, to grow the business, how we saw fit. Uh, he put us each in our own special category as far as what he thought we were best at. He was very successful at doing that because I think he was right. Um, and then from there, um, when, from the time he retired till the time we ended up uh, selling the majority of our stake in the company, there was probably 300 some employees. So, and it was, we had offices in three or four places around the world and did business uh, through my brother George's international efforts in probably 40 or 50 different countries. So it expanded with the, the service business was what helped it. So second generation expanded the business from what it was to three or four times what it what it was 10 times 10 or better yeah yeah which is not common a lot of times you see second generation whenever the kids take over so what made it was it because he put you in the right positions to to keep it going because yeah i think kids ruin everything i think uh, you know you have a you have a, a, a my father was a great man um he was overwhelming as far as a presence and you wanted to please him and he was always one to pat you on the back when you did a good job and he was always one to you know, little boot you in the ass yeah. and you're screwing up. <laughs> and uh, he took pride in watching his children uh, grow the business. He knew who was going to be good for what part of the business. Somehow, some way, Figured he it knew out. it was the right match. And if you ha- have children, you, you know what your kids are capable of. And he knew we weren't all capable to do each of the roles, but our special roles, yes. And uh, from there, um, he sat back as... When he retired, he had open heart surgery at age 60, and he thought that was a good time to turn over the business to us. And then he got better uh, in about a, two or three months and said he's ready to come back to work. And um, I think we pretty much said, no, nah, there's, there's no need for you to come back to work. And he said, well, as long as you guys send my paycheck, I'll stay home. <laughs> and we sent his paycheck, I think, until the day he died. So uh, at 80 years old, that was 20-some years of retirement. Did he have a hard time staying away? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he would stick his nose in and everything, but it was good. And, and we all worked, um, you know, you had four siblings that all worked in the business, and we worked as a common goal under the appreciation of my father. So you remove my father from that picture, and things, the dynamics kind of changed then over the next eight years, seven, eight years. Um, and that's where you start to wonder, is this really what I want to do and things like that? So it's funny. Every family has that person, you know, and then when they're gone, you see it like, you know, I wouldn't think about not celebrating the Thanksgiving with the Franny family, 
Yeah. But once my grandmother passed away, I don't, it's over. That's just, she's the reason we got together. It was the reason everything worked. And then as soon as when one person's gone, it's over, you know, yeah. the tradition stopped. Yeah. Unique. Yeah. Well, we, we still, as siblings, we're still very close. We still talk often and get together and uh, we have a great time together when we do. Um, but uh, it's nice to, you know, you have the, the pressure gauge turned up as high as you possibly can when you're growing a business. And you, to sustain that over 35, 40 years, um, it can be challenging. There's times where you just want to breathe and relax, but you got a lot of pressure on you, a lot of people counting on you, a lot of families counting on you to make the right decisions. That's, uh, that's the hard part to keep that going. So eventually you get tired of that. That's an angle a lot of people that like see business owners don't understand. Like I remember one of my employees when they first bought a house, I remember the pressure it put on me. I was like, this can't fail now. Cause like <laughs> I'm on my feet and I'm, I'm on my ass, but everybody else is on their ass too. If I fail. So it like puts a whole level of pressure on you. Mm-hmm. I'm like I can't afford to buy a house. Like this guy's buying a house and I got to pay for it, but you got to get up and go. Like you got to have purpose. Yeah. Like yeah. Said. Well, in our case we had, you know, 300 families that depended on uh, Conco making the right decisions and Conco being there tomorrow. Um, so, you know, those were pressures that were there. They were recognized on a daily basis by all of us. And um, we did everything we can, I believe, um, gave everybody every opportunity that, that did work for Conco um, to achieve whatever they could within the organization. So, so four siblings working in the, in the office every day. We work with family. <laughs> what kind of a, what kind of hurdles and obstacles was that? Was it was it ups and downs? Oh yeah, they're there. Yeah, um, that's that's fine though. It's the same way. Uh, I still say that today, um, all the any disagreements or whatever and everything you can take back to our childhood that were the same <laughs> ones that existed then. It's yeah. no different. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's the birth order. It's, um, I'm the oldest, youngest, I'm, I'm the youngest, that, okay. I'm the youngest. So like my role has always been to keep everybody talking, you know, because <laughs> um, you know, the, the, each, each personality, uh, is yeah. very strong above me. Right. And, uh, sometimes when there's a disagreement there, the, the best way to fix it is to jump in and be the middleman, you know, somehow navigate. Uh, everybody through it so that we're still talking on the other side but no it's just it's difficult you're going to have uh aunts and uncles and cousins and nephews and yeah. some of them aren't going to make it um you're going to have best friends uh almost, almost every one of my friends worked at conco at one time or another and i always told them you know this is going to end one day <laughs> and i hope we can still be friends you know whether it's you that ends it or, or us that ends it and um it's always paid off and come through i don't think there's anybody out there that uh, i've worked with that i don't feel comfortable uh seeing on the street they're seeing at the giant eagle or whatever and saying hello um even those that had done us wrong um i believe like i love everybody you know that's one thing even my enemies, and I don't, uh, I don't hate people that have done things bad to us. I hate what they've done, but I consider what they've done is something that I can learn from. And there's no more, there's no value you can place on those lessons that are learned uh, from those types of situations. So, business is business, and life is another thing. So, don't let it get to you. Yeah, that's that's good advice there because yeah, really some is. people take it so personal. Oh yeah, you can't. No. You can't. Um, you know, you're 
we go to Thanksgiving dinner uh, or, or a Christmas dinner or whatever, and all those things go away and it's family. You Were know, there so. ever any family get-togethers right after a big disagreement at the office that was a little, 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 <laughs> little awkward no. Thanksgiving dinner? No, never. Never, <laughs> never threw never. a turkey leg at your brother <laughs> or anything like that? <laughs> never. No punches have ever been thrown. That's uh, good. My father's had to separate a couple of times whenever, <laughs> yeah. whenever we were younger, but uh, no, I think... Uh, no, it's, it's family. Everybody knows families first, you know. I've so, always felt that way with clients, too. Like, with my business, like, I, I don't have everybody's business. But, like, I used to, at the beginning, I'm like, this person doesn't use me. This is bullshit, you know. Yeah. But now it's like, you're, everybody's free to do what they want, and I don't really care. It's not make or break me. But, you know, it's just a good policy to, like, just but people are people. The interaction's important, not the business. Yeah. The business will come, you know. Yeah. So you have kids, obviously. And all your siblings have kids. So now there's third generation that got involved. Was it always, I know that a lot of the Saxon family all went through Conco. Was it always just kind of the, the path that was expected or your kids, your kids didn't really get as involved with Conco or they did for a little bit and then all kind of did their own thing. No, it's uh, like, for instance, whenever I got involved in a business, I graduated from our Robert Morris College, uh, which is now Robert Morris University. So we finally achieved that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I graduated with a marketing degree, you know, and my, my father took me to uh, lunch at Ofstadt's and we sat there and had lunch. And uh, he says, so what are you going to do with yourself now that you're graduating? And I said, uh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to get a job in marketing somewhere and, you know, make those storyboards and maybe make a design for the storefront. And that's great. He says, I'd like you to come to work for us, uh, for the business in manufacturing until you figure out what you want to do there. You know, no sense in not working while you're looking. I says, well, that's fine. He put on a piece of paper, like my salary would be on day one. I'm like, whoa, you know, Probably nothing, but <laughs> I think it was like $30,000 or something back then. And um, I said, yeah, I'll go there until I find my, what I'm looking for. I never looked and I stayed. And um, so it, it was a different time where parents wanted to encourage the development of their children in what they thought was best for them mm-hmm. versus what the individuals felt was best for them. So Today's generation, my kids, when they came to work at Conco, most of it was uh, to make some money for the summer or what have you, um, more so than career-oriented. And I never wanted to push them into the business because I wanted it to be their decision. And I thought that you know the family business can only handle so many in the next generation. There's 14 grandchildren at that level and uh, from my mother. Uh, and I just thought that well, we have trouble from time to time with four siblings in there. I can imagine if there's, if 14. now I have to deal with my brother's children, he has to deal with my children, and my sister has to deal with our children. So <laughs> those complications, I didn't want to encourage it. Um, I didn't not encourage it either, but I mean, I just didn't want it to be. And my kids all found their own way, and it worked out well. And I think uh, most of them, uh, there's, there's one uh, from Gunner's family, and one from my sister's family that are, um, I think, career-oriented in the business. And then there's a couple that are there to do um, just for help provide for their household and do just regular uh, clerkish-type jobs and stuff like that. Do you think your dad would have been mad if you would have moved on to a different thing? No. Well, he would have uh, 
I'm sure he would have been happy, whatever. He was that kind of guy, but he wanted to make sure that uh, I got moving rather than yeah. sitting around. Um, like your generation, which is my children, uh, we let them sit stagnant for a year or so after college. And uh, I guess it's a good thing, but mine have all finally launched, so yeah. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I mean, it's not yeah. always good. And I remember when I was in college, you know, if a friend was like, well, I'm going to take a, a year off, it was like, what? Your life's over. What do you mean you're going to take a year off? You can't take a year off. Then what's going to happen? You're going to be a cashier at the grocery store the rest of your life. You can't take that off. But now it's looked at differently. Yeah. Like, you know, okay, take a year and find yourself and figure out what you want to be. And uh, I don't know, maybe if, I don't know. I I think in some some respects that's a good thing. I think that if you, I think it's like when I went into college, I went in for political science and I learned after I don't know, $50,000 in two and a half years that, well, this sucks. I don't want to do this the rest of my life. <laughs> Maybe a year off would have paid off. <laughs> but well, let me tell you this one little story about uh, when you talk about encouraging others to come into the business. Uh, when I was in college and my wife and I were engaged um, and she was graduating, she went out and applied for jobs and uh, she got an offer of a, for a sales job in Newcastle, Pennsylvania for a trucking company by the name of Ryder PIE. I don't know if you remember them when they existed back in the day, but uh, she got a job offer for sales for like $42,000 a year. She came to the house and told my father and my father said, ah, oh, that's bullshit. Why don't you just come to work for us on Monday? I'll put you in sales, in the inside sales office. So my father had a little, you know, it was persuasive. And she said, <laughs> okay, I guess that's what I'm going to be doing. So um, she went to work on Monday. My dad got her started in inside sales and everything. And she got her first paycheck. And he was paying her $6.75 an hour. <laughs> he didn't even match the offer. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, I remember I had to bring it up to, to his attention and, and, and with Janie, with me, I think it was. And I can't remember exactly, but I think he said to her, don't worry, sweetheart, it'll come around. Don't worry. And uh, it did. she's still there today, actually. Yeah. She's still working at college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she does. Uh, works for the accounting department, and she does a great job. Um, she is very, um, how do you say it, intuitive on her work and, and what she's doing to make sure it's done right, and uh, she does a good job. She so. still run? She runs from time to time. Yeah. She's either growing doing, up. I just remember like always seeing her running around Oakmont. Just. Yeah, she either runs or she does uh, the the bike or yoga or. Whatever the, the exercises <laughs> are, and every day she's doing something. Her yeah. and all the girls do. I mean, my son—they're all physically active as far as that goes. So you uh, you got involved in banking as yeah. a as a side gig. Yeah. You were, um, you were at one point chairman of the board for Allegheny Valley Bank. Are you still Correct. involved now that it's at, it's with Dollar? Because it's filled No, in. no. Uh, we, we ended up, uh, we merged uh, with, from Allegheny Valley Bank. Um, we had discussions. When, you, when you're in, on a board of directors of a public company like that, one of your obligations is to review what's best for the shareholders on, a, say, an annual or every other year basis. Is it best that we, we stay independent? Is it best that we sell? Is it best that we merge? 
what is best. And you, you do a, a, a study um, and you review each of those opportunities and compare them. And uh, whatever is best for the shareholders within reason is what you should probably do. And at one time we had a merger of equals with Standard Bank. And that worked out well um, for the shareholders. And then um, after a couple of years, uh, the boards merged together. Um, they had, um, I believe it was, it was six board members from Allegheny Valley Bank versus seven from Standard Bank. So they had the last say in everything. Um, we didn't always agree with the direction we were going there, but anyhow, it ended up in selling to Dollar Bank. And Dollar Bank, is not a, a stock bank. It's right. a, um, uh, what do they call mutual. it? Mutual. Mutual, yeah. So um, they, they run by different roles. Um, they don't have to please shareholders. Um, but they're also, uh, Jim, the guy that's running Dollar Bank, is, is a super guy. Uh, he really believes in the community banking philosophy, and he believes in his employees, um, and that they are the ones that make the difference uh, between the competition. So, what got you involved in that? What made I, you I was I was at Conco, and uh, my uncle was on the board of the Allegheny Valley Bank, and he called me one day and said that they'd like to interview you to be on the board here at Allegheny Valley Bank. And I go, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about banking. And he goes, exactly. <laughs> he says that's what is needed. Um, you know about running a business. You know about working with a board of directors because Conco had a board of directors, and you. Uh, you have these things that you can bring, and I'm, I'm I'm not so sure. And he says, "Let's go. We got to go on some interviews." And I met met the chairman. I met the um, um, other directors as well. And it came out that they invited me to be on the board of directors, and uh, I went on board. I was there with um, there was like three or four attorneys. Uh, there was a couple accountants, and I was really the only person that had. Um, interaction where I had a, a employee force of, you know, comparable to yeah. a bank of 200 and some employees and of which I didn't, they didn't all report to me, but I had interaction and I had a good part of them people report to me. You had experience in that dealing yeah, with so that. So that's how it worked out. And in the first three or four years, um, chairman died, chairman died, <laughs> chairman died. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm the next, uh, reasonable guy that can fit that role who has experience with uh, leadership and they put me in as chairman in I think it was 2005 something like that 2004 and stayed there till 2017 when we sold I believe so. and there's two ways out sell or die yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, but it was a good run. It was my uncle. Uh, I, I love my uncle dearly. He was a, a good friend, and he he brought us uh, brought me in, and he he thought it was a good match, and I was a good match, I believe, and I think we did okay, um, and it was good for the shareholders. I was a shareholder as well, and it benefited from that very very much. So, now do you sit on any other boards? No. Seems Whenever we left, uh, when we went to Dollar, they had established an advisory board that you sat on for. It was a set two-year time period, eight meetings, you know, yeah. cookies and coffee. And, uh, you know, you help to make them aware of what's going on in your community uh, so that you can help their sales force target and go after certain clients, et cetera, to, to help. And um, it worked out well, but that thing kind of fizzles out. 
and some of the directors that were on that gig were just there um, to be there. And Jim realized that at Dollar Bank. He said, <laughs> anybody uh, have anything else to add? If not, this will be the last meeting. And that's how it went. Also, when I was at Allegheny Valley Bank, we had a really good uh, president, CEO that, that we brought on board, Andrew Hazley, uh, who's still at Dollar Bank. Um, but he was, he was an excellent uh, leader of his people. Um, uh, he was just a very level-headed businessman, and uh, he knew his banking very well. And it was nice to have him on board. And the board of directors, our, our job, I believe, was to make sure there was some hurdles there for him that, you know, to be accountable to the board of directors and the shareholders, but not to put hurdles out there that were just hurdles to make it difficult for a man to run a business. So. Right. Andrew did a great job, as well as um, everybody else that I worked with in those in those institutions. What did you say about a community bank? And like, I, I'm kind of learning this now because we're like trying to do some things. And I bank with PNC forever, mm-hmm. and it's like there's such a different feel when you get to the smaller banks. It's like they want to do business with business, where these big banks they like could care less about you. So it's yeah. kind of unique to yeah. like the smaller banks. Oh yeah, yeah. There's. Uh, there's supposed to be, you know, there, every year there's more and more regulations. It makes it more difficult to be a special bank like that where, hey, I understand your needs. I understand why a conventional bank won't work. Uh, I'm interested in helping you. If I do that, I have to hold the loan. I can't sell the loan because it's a non-conforming loan, those kind of things. So yeah. they get a, after 2008, uh, a lot of those, <laughs> the freelance type of banking kind of, <laughs> got pushed aside, but you're right. A community bank really does want your business. They want to be able to help the community and they have an obligation um, to also help the community in areas of need um, and make sure that they're serving the community, not just taking the money out of the community and serving somewhere else. Would you get back into banking? No. You're done. No, I'm done and unless it, I can start my own bank, but I would I don't think I have enough <laughs> participating friends to do that. No, nah, I wouldn't get back into banking. I enjoyed it. Uh it was good for my career. Um but I, I enjoy now just enjoying my family more. Um, enjoying uh my time with my wife, my time with my, my siblings and my mother and my children. Those things are all important today. Not uh as much as the rat race. And you know, you, th- you go through everything and you get that, uh, you get that nice car and you, you have that for so many years and you realize those, those rewards are nice, but they're not satisfying. And the satisfying yeah. rewards are your time with family, by far, by far. That's one of the things we've talked about off the show. You know, we're obviously starting families. I guess, could you take us back to those early days? Obviously, your wife and <laughs> go into the business. So how did you- how did you mix kids into the equation early on? Oh, wow. So. Um, yeah. Uh, well, You're working a I'm lot. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I mean, there, there are some interferences over the years that I might have lost some of that memory. No, but uh, we got married. We, you know, we were high school sweethearts. Yeah. She went to Penn Hills. I went to Riverview. Okay. Uh, and, uh, of course, the Penn Hills girls came over here to find good men over in Oakmont. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, um, she, uh, we, we met, um, my, my sister-in-law or now presence or her sister-in-law, Becky Emanuel, who was Becky Brzezinski, I believe it was, um, cut hair and she cut my hair and she Pat also, on the head. 
you know, pat down the pat on the head. Or yeah. It was back then. It was hair metrics she was working at. That's how long ago this was. And um, uh, I said my birthday's on Friday, and she, if you know Becky, she's like, get out of here, really. And <laughs> he says my sister in law's birthday's on Friday. I says, well, that's great. It's great. I'm going to be seventeen or eighteen. I can't exactly remember. And she says, so is she. I said, well, that's great. So right away, Becky thought, let's fix these two up. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, I didn't have any girlfriend at the time or anything like that anyhow. So, but um, nothing ever came of that. But I did, uh, I was sitting on a porch with my father in uh, some summertime. And uh, there's carload of girls pull up in front of my house. It's my, it's my wife, Janie, and her girlfriend. And they say, hey, can you come here? And I went down to the street and looking for directions to John Liberto's house. And I said, well, he's, he lives up the, up the block. You go up there, turn left on Holton Road, turn right on Wade, and he's on the right-hand side. Okay, okay. And I walked away, and I get on the porch, and they pull away. I sit back down on the porch with my father, and he, you know, <laughs> he put the newspaper down and looked at me, and he said, son, are you an idiot? <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? He says, those girls were here for you. And I said, no, they weren't here up for John Liberto. He says, which way did you tell them to turn? I said, turn left. He said, they turned right and screamed. They didn't, you know, I said, oh, God. So anyhow, to make a long story short, uh, we saw each other on traffic throughout the next summer. And I met her, I went to the library for the first time in my life to get a book for English class. And my wife, Janie, was sitting there and I went over and asked her on a date. And uh, after that, it was, it was, Greatest blessing ever with that woman. She's a good girl. So you said your wife was related to Becky? Yeah, her brother is married to Becky. Yeah, I'm somehow related to the, to the Emanuels and the Brzezinski's. Ooh, I wouldn't announce that. <laughs> yeah, right. I think, goes back to the, <laughs> I think it goes back to the Bricotta. Um, yeah, my great-grandmother was a Bricotta. So, Bricotta? Yeah. Okay. So everybody mm. in this town is related to the somehow <laughs> an Emanuel, a Bricotta, or a Brzezinski. Right. Because you're related to the Bricottas. Well, my cousin married a Bricotta. Okay. Jay's your cousin. Jay's my cousin. Yeah. Yeah. And Jay worked at Conca for years. And he did. <laughs> Jason Master Fesser, yeah. yeah. Jason was a great guy. You know, he's still a very good guy. Yeah. I text him every now and then. We touch base. Yeah. He's a good man. Yeah. yeah. Hard worker. Hard worker. Yeah. For sure. I can remember when him and Amy just started dating. I was like a baby. So, <laughs> so like, after, then, we got, then we ended up getting married. Uh, fresh out of college. Where and, was the honeymoon? <laughs> yeah, you had to ask that. Um, what's that island? Uh, Bermuda. We went okay. to Bermuda uh, okay. for our honeymoon. And then uh, we came back and um, we, we agreed we're going to have kids in about 10 years or so. And I didn't realize that the woman can change her mind on that. And we were going to have children right, right away. So uh, Natalie was our first. And uh, then we had Gina and then Sarah and Gregory. and. At that time, we lived on Fifth Street with Gina and Natalie. And um, then when we had Sarah, she was still on Fifth Street, I believe. And then Gregory came when we moved to Oak Street. Uh, we needed more space. <laughs> and uh, it, it all worked out well. But, uh, you know, each children or each child has their own personality. And right. you have to let them nurture it. And uh, my wife is, is an excellent mother. Um, and it was a place where the neighborhood kids would come to, to hang out as well when we got up there on Oak Street. It was just a comfortable place. Um, we always believed in uh, accepting whatever comes from our children and not having them feel they ever need to keep a secret. 
um, you feel, I think that, you know, you love your children and you give them uh, the opportunity to be free to talk to you about anything. And I think that helps uh, help them turn out to be good children where they knew that their parents, whether we agreed with what they were trying yeah. to do or not, we were aware of it. And if they had problems, they could always come and talk to us. It was not like there was a hurdle they had to get over. And my wife was very good at creating that environment. So, and I think we still have that environment today. There's some weird shit kids come to you with. <laughs> they're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, um, yeah. Well, we think we're going to live in the bed of a truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, you know, if that's what you really want to do, sweetheart, then that's good. You live, live in the bed of a truck. Rent your house out. Do whatever is right for you, you know. But well, whatever you did, it worked. Yeah. You know. But I think they're beautiful children. They have beautiful friends. And, and we embrace every, everybody and everything related to them. Um, uh, and again, it's a, it's a blessing. Uh, I'm thankful every day uh, to my faith to have healthy family and happy family. So, how did you mix, uh, I guess, business and the family life? I'm sure, there were late nights. Uh, yeah, there was. Did your the, wife stay home with your children early on, or how yeah, did that she work? she oh. she worked for Conco, and then mm -hmm. when we had children, she stayed at home with the children, and then mm -hmm. when they were old enough to pretty much fend for themselves, uh, she came back to work at Conco and. Um, you know, did whatever job needed to be done at the time that she could do and do from home mostly. So um, that worked out well. You hear about, you know, everybody's nowadays you have yeah. a child and the father ends up joining in that maternity to leave and stay right. at home to help and <laughs> yeah. everything like that. Day one, my mother-in-law moved in. Day two, I had to go out of town for business usually after a child came home. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we had uh, very good support there. Um, I was very unfair, I'm sure, over those years in putting the business first to travel with, with four little children at home. But I realized that my obligation was to make sure I can provide. And there was times where I didn't want to go. And there was times where I couldn't wait to get in the car <laughs> and go. But... Uh, I've said that to my wife on weekends, like during non-tax season, whenever I'm not working on weekends, the kids will be, you know, in rare form, you know, it's like chaos at the house. And I'm like, man, it would be easier for me to just go to work. Like, I don't know how you deal with this every day. Oh, they're, they're angels. I'll tell you how they can, <laughs> how they can do that. Yeah. My wife, uh, she did a great job. I'm sure your wife does the same. And we talk um, about that a lot about how uh, to own a business and operate a business. It's, it, with with family, it's nearly impossible unless you have a wife that is one hundred percent on board and supportive of that business. Because you know we're here on a Sunday, and yeah. you know our wives are at home with kids. And um, this time of year for me, particularly, I work every single day, and uh, I couldn't. I mean, it, I don't know. I I my wife worked. She was a teacher, and then whenever my second was born we decided that she was going to stay home and uh, it'd be at the beginning. It was, it was terrifying because how am I going to make enough money to support this family? And we had just bought this house and how am I going to pay all these bills? She's not going to have any income and oh my God, we need health insurance and all this stuff. But now looking back, I don't know how families do it with parents that both work and how do you, you know, there's a snow day. Well, who watches the kids? Yeah, I don't know. Like, how, how do you, yeah. yeah, some of the, some of these schools have half day kindergarten. How well? How do you just how do you pick up your kid at half day kindergarten? Yeah, you know, and um, 
I laugh when my daughter's school calls me. I'm like, what are you, wait, what are you, you doing? You called the dad. You're calling the dad. <laughs> like that, that TikTok. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, where are you located? Yeah, <laughs> what's, yeah. your, just name, what's the name of the school? Give me the address. I'll call pick her up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we couldn't do it without our wives. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. They don't yeah. listen to this anyway. So yeah, you can say right. whatever you want. <laughs> well, you know, also, when you, when you, if you stop and think about, you can't, in what you're doing right now, Jerry, you can't stop and just think, what I need to do to provide. You just need to plow on. You yeah. drive on. Um, and if, if you do everything right and you do it honestly and uh, with integrity and always try to do your best for your clients, they'll see that and they'll give you more work and more work and more work. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're providing without needing to worry about it. Because right. worrying yeah. about it doesn't really help it at all. No. <laughs> you're right. It doesn't. We yeah. had a friend that when he had his first kid, he he was like plumbing and he said, it's amazing. Like no one trusted me before I had a kid. And then he had his first kid and he's like, all these side jobs just keep coming in. And he's like, I'm too busy to even like maintain now. But it's something about having a kid that people like your clients will like, yeah, they like pick up on that. Yeah, it's either that yeah. or wear glasses. I mean, either way, <laughs> either way they'll think you're smarter. Right? <laughs> Is that a sales trick? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your 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 display of your image is everything, you know, right. and if, if your background. I mean, I, you know, one of the things that I I, I pride myself on, um, one of the guiding things I have. One is my faith, but two is I find that your character is everything uh, in this world, and whatever you are, if you're a barber or if you're a plumber or electrician or if you're a businessman. That character is everything. Your integrity, you only have one chance to get that right. Um, you have to be able to look people in the eye. Um, if you get caught in any kind of lie or misleading information, even if it's lighthearted or it's to help the sale and that person finds out he wasn't telling the truth, okay. you can't get that back. Mm -hmm. And that integrity, uh, I couldn't... I. I'm the kind of guy that if, say, uh, I walk out of the store and I find out, I get in the car and I'm driving down the road, I find I got five extra dollars change. I turn around and go give the five dollars back. I mean, I've just said, I, I can't live with myself knowing if I did something that was wrong like it. They call that it, would affect my integrity. Yeah, and karma is a bitch too. Yeah, it's karma, like, oh boy, it comes back. Every time I, <laughs> I have dealings with some customers and some of them are, less than desirable um <laughs> special and uh they kind of like you know screw you they don't okay well we don't need you uh today or like you know i travel all the way there and do and i say just you know to myself okay i hope you're good with that decision because karma is a real bitch it'll come <laughs> back and bite you in the ass but um yeah i don't that's to me. That's everything in, in in running a business and in whatever career you have, you know, having a child yeah. kind of makes sure you have better integrity because <laughs> you realize you have to provide for that child now too. You know, yeah. yeah. There's hard conversations in business. Like I'm sure yeah. over the years you've had jobs go bad, and it's mm -hmm. like, how are you going to explain this one off? But then I've learned now it's just easier to pull the bandaid off. And be like, especially like if I ruin a blouse or something. Yeah, I just call the customer. Like we fucked it up. Yeah. Like I'm going to buy you a new one. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, but. Before yeah. I'd be like, it's on its way. It's almost done. You know, trying to push the buck down the road. Now I'm like, yeah, we screwed up. It yeah. is what it is. Yeah. yeah. I, I learned when I first started, it was, you know, you mess up and there's it. It's almost, it's not funny, 
but it's almost funny because it seems like that one time when you mess up, it's always like, man, I fucked this up bad. Like everything could go wrong. It was, it took too long. This mistake happened, whatever. Like one time it's just like, man, I, yeah, but it's easier to just fall on the sword. Be like, you know what? Listen, we screwed up. This isn't how we do things, but it happens. So here's what we're going to do to fix it. But, you know, trying to come up with stories and, you know, it's just too hard. It's too hard to, mm-hmm. and I think, I mean, I have clients that we've messed up and they're, they've been with me for 10 years since then because just coming out and being like, hey, I, we screwed up and here's how we're going to make it right. Yeah. They respect that more than the bullshit lie. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of my roles at Conco was to go on trouble jobs and large jobs. I mean, million dollar jobs. And it's, it's, it's very enlightening <laughs> to go into a plant manager's office and explain to him the difficulties mm. you're having with the job uh, that he anticipated was going to be done in five days, might take 10, um, where it's a million dollars a day for them to be shut down and things like mm. that. And um, that's where I, you know, I was always thankful to have um, my siblings in my back pocket as far as support goes, my brothers, my sister. Uh, we're always there. And I, I knew that when I was talking to that customer, their plant manager, or even if you're in the outage control center at a nuclear power plant, that you speak on behalf of everybody and uh, you don't want to, you know, be dishonest. You have yeah. to be honest and you have to say, this is what's really going to happen. And, and most people ex- expect or accept that much better than having to, to weasel yourself out of a bad situation. Yeah. I think a big part of what we do on those situations, you have to learn you have to be good at diffusing a situation because a mm-hmm. lot of times like that plant manager is going to be, he's going to be up here when you walk in there because there's a problem and you have to just be able to calm him down, control the situation and be like, okay, here's what we're going to do to fix you know, it. Well, what's really funny about that situation when you're, when you're in it and you know, you're actually, I, I have coveralls and a hard hat on while I'm there and you walk into that guy's office and he's, and he's thinking, Boy, are you in trouble? Wait till I talk to your boss, and, and boss. <laughs> he realizes that I, I'm my own boss, and that's <laughs> uh, so it's you know it's it's yeah a come to Jesus moment for them that okay there is nobody to call it's me but what do you want to do to make this right and right. we make it right you know yeah. yeah that's that's my favorite when people are like I want to talk to the manager yeah. like, uh, I'm him yeah, yeah. I, I want to talk to the guy that cleaned the clothes I'm like you're still looking at him <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck press it yep still yes, me, me. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to be mad at someone here it's I am it's just me and <laughs> even if it was somebody else like it's you gotta take part it. of the other thing about owning a business is no matter you know I've got we've got eight people working for the accounting firm now and any mistake that any of them make my fault it's not their fault. absolutely yeah. the buck stops with me so i have to hey listen it's my fault yeah the higher up the ladder you go the more your ass sticks out right mm-hmm. yeah i love it when they forget to invoice you though that's really nice <laughs> <laughs> uh, we always catch up we always catch up uh, so what advice would you give to somebody starting out a business trying to grow getting started and now a brief word from our sponsor. This episode of Between Two Bridges is sponsored by Paymark Payroll. Are you tired of spending countless hours juggling payroll calculations, tax filings, and compliance regulations? 
Well, say goodbye to that chore and let Paymark Payroll take the burden off your shoulders. With our secure online portal, you can access your business information from any internet location, even your phone. Employees will love the ability to receive direct deposits and they can access all their pay stubs, tax forms, and information through their own portal. Focus on growing your business while we take care of the rest. With top-notch customer support, we're always here to assist you with anything, at any time. Don't let payroll stress hold you back. Choose Paymark Payroll and experience the freedom to thrive. Contact us at payyourpeople.com for a personalized consultation and a demonstration of our powerful payroll solutions and see how Paymark Payroll can better your workflow. That's payyourpeople.com. Join the growing list of satisfied businesses that have embraced the convenience and efficiency of Paymark. Payday made easy. Your business deserves nothing less than the best, and that's exactly what Paymark Payroll delivers. Now back to the show. So what advice would you give to somebody starting out a business, trying to grow, getting started? Encouragement. Uh, I would I would say that's a great idea. If you have passion. You got to have passion for what you want to do. Um, so if you have a desire to get involved in a business, you don't you don't know anything about. You don't have any any drive behind it or thrill. I'd say no. But if it's something you have passion for, whether it's cleaning clothes or or welding or whatever, um, yeah, just if you're gonna do it, don't look back. Um, put a business plan together that is going to be worthless after the first week. <laughs> um, be willing to change direction. Um, um, have the the grace to um, have humility and be uh, disappointed in some of your results. Um, just keep driving on. And, you know, if you believe in yourself and you apply yourself and you get out of bed every day, and there's nobody to blame when you're in that situation except yourself. And um, you just go drive, drive on, have at it, change your plan. If you're not getting results, change your plan again. Uh, if you're spending too much money, reduce your expenses. Um, I just recently found out that I had, my wife doesn't think it's a very big goal, but I had uh, achievement that I had 68,000 Wyndham points. Hmm. In uh, Wyndham hotels are days ends and yeah. you know the lower tier hotels, and uh, for her to use those points for a hotel in the area, she'd like to stay. I think that was enough for her one night stay. <laughs> <laughs> but I used them in the last two months, so I, I think I got six or seven free nights stay. So that was good. <laughs> yeah. So you said the word encouragement, and it reminded me of a conversation I had. With somebody that we were talking about, and it kind of, this is kind of out of order because we were talking about kids and them going their own direction, but I think it's the same thing. And it, I see a lot of times where people will have a business idea or have an idea to do something, go back to school, do whatever. And parents kind of shit on it. And, oh, that's a terrible idea. You can't do that. And I see what that effect does on the people around me, like the person I was talking to, that, you know, they would come up with an idea and they would hear, oh, if it was that easy, everybody would. It's like a, I, I see parents that do that and I see the horrible effects that it has once you're my age. My parents were never like that, just for, uh, <laughs> for the record. But 
um, if your 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 kids have come up, I mean, we've talked to uh, one of your kids, and I think it's going to actually that episode's going to come out after yours, so they'll understand after. But you know, if somebody all of a sudden wants to move across the country and don't really have a plan, but we're going to figure it out. Sometimes um, that's a plan. Sometimes <laughs> that's the plan. And just to, you have yeah. to be supportive for your yeah, kids. Fail yeah. forward fast, you know, yeah. just yeah. keep failing forward. Yeah. yeah I oh. mean, you know, we all see so many people that uh, if you're have your own independent business, um, people look at you sometimes with, with a little bit of jealousy. Um, but, it, and they have ideas for business, but they don't have uh, enough passion or they're, they're too afraid to try. And yeah. if you have children, and some people might discourage their children from going down an entrepreneurial path, because um, it's a rough road, um, yes. but they're, I'm sure trying to protect them I, uh, and, and, and parenting beyond the need of parenting. Uh, if, yeah. if you got a kid in their 20s and they want to do something and take a chance, that's the time to do it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And I think that's what you said, the fear. And I think they're basically just passing that fear on. Like they were afraid to make that decision in their life. Right. So now they're passing that fear on. And you see so many, there's more more businesses that don't get started because of that scenario than do get started. And even the ones that do get started, uh, it, most of them fail because there's one of those pieces of the puzzle missing that yep. either the passion or the ability uh, or what ha or finances, a lot of different reasons. But um, tell you, I, I've never been one to discourage. I mean, Gina could come to me with an oddball business which she has, she has, she has. she's <laughs> been very successful. And Sarah, I mean, she's an entrepreneur as well. She, um, during COVID made $20,000 making masks from her house on a Jeez. sewing machine. So, uh, I would never believe that you could make that kind of money selling a $2 mask, but she did it, you know? Um, and my other children, they're all, they're all go-getters as well. Natalie or Gina and Natalie or Natalie and Gregory. Uh, they're not, uh, is entrepreneurial, but I think they they could be if they wanted to. So, well, Natalie yeah. Natalie is marrying Greg, right? Natalie's engaged to Greg, right? And so she'll get to see Greg it. checks in on that every day. I'm sure because <laughs> you know <if> we, <laughs> you know he, he he every day he gets up and he's still in the house or whatever. He's still in the house. He's considering that a blessing. So. I, you know, they have a unique relationship. Um, they're childhood sweethearts as well. I think um, that uh, they went down different paths for a while, and now they've reunited. Um, and I think they have the right uh, the right thing in mind for their future together. And when that's going to be as far as a marriage, it could be next week or it could be 20 years from now. You never know. And um, Natalie is, uh, when she's ready, and they get married that given day, then they'll get married that given day. <laughs> Uh, Greg, will, he'll probably do it. He's ready to go any minute now, I'm sure. But, um, Lock that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It only took him getting shot six times to make that work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was there um, whenever, I, well, I was coming home from the Giant Eagle on a Sunday. And after church, I went to the Giant Eagle. I'm driving down the, down, down the boulevard and I see all the flashing lights on the, you know, in front of the Oaks Theater there. And it's right around the corner from my house. So I, parking, I go up, see what's going on. And I see Greg laying in the street. 
with his clothes ripped off. I said, what the hell happened to you? Did you get hit by a car or something? He goes, no, Mr. Sashin, I got shot. And I'm like, what do you mean shot? He just points to the holes on his body and there's a paramedic there working with him. And I'm like, ah, whatever. So he's on the phone <laughs> and around the corner comes Natalie and then comes Gina and then comes Gregory and Sarah and my wife. We're all, the Greg's in the street. And, yeah. and and they're all right all right the there Saxons that quickly. There. And um, I remember I talking to Greg's mother, I believe it was, and she, she said, why did you call? Because he called Natalie from the street. And his line, which is probably the best pickup line ever, is I didn't want to die in anybody else's arms. Oh, wow. Jesus. Yeah. So he's a pretty good one line. And he said if he knew Natalie would be back to him, if he got shot six times, he would have done it a lot earlier. <laughs> no, but Greg's a good, he's going to be, uh, he's very welcome into the family. He's, uh, he's got a great family, his mother and father and, and all his brothers and everybody are really, really. Greg, uh, uh, that was a good episode. We had him on and he was talking oh, yeah. about you being there and, yeah, he said, well, before they take, Mr. Saxon, can you let the girl out of the cooler, please? <laughs> I mean, he, yeah, 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 sure, Greg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah. Well, this will tie to a future episode, but I guess take us behind the scenes of the whole Montana discussion. You've obviously been supportive of, of your oh, yeah, children. So, uh, like, yeah. how, how did that Well, come I think support, support of my children, I think uh, my wife as well is just as supportive, but it, it also goes back to my mother. Uh, my mother has always been a very supportive person when it comes to going after your dreams. Or, I mean, obviously she stayed married to my father when he bought a company and they had no mortgage payment three months out <laughs> and he had four kids at home. So she was supportive. Gina always wanted to she liked the West. She liked Wyoming, and she dragged me out to Wyoming just to go out there and walk around that. some Lake Leanne or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we did that, and uh, she she always told my mother she wanted to marry a cowboy. She wanted to get married to a cowboy. And my mother would give her books about cowboys and everything, and and she said to Gina, she says, "You want to marry a cowboy? Go get a cowboy." And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great encouragement, Mom. <laughs> so we started Momentum Ventures. Uh, Gina started it with us, with me. And the idea was she was going to sell and I was going to, you know, manage the welders out there in the field doing the work. And we got two trucks. We invested everything and we went out in sales calls. And um, within the first three months, uh, this Kofor kid comes up, you know, <laughs> um, it's living in an airstream and um, <laughs> she's gonna, you know, go move out to Montana with him. And I'm like, this is great. So it was nice. Uh, yeah. Mr. Kofer is a great guy. Um, he comes from a similar family background as far as uh, family is, is most important and they're very close. And they accepted Gina uh, hand over foot. I mean, it's just no problem at all there. But uh, yeah, and so, Gina moves to Montana, and I'm like, it's a little hard to sell welding work in Virginia from Montana. So I realized that she did the right thing, and uh, they ended up getting married. And um, now they have the Kofor Hat Company, right, you know, yeah. which is great. Um, I recently lost uh, 20 pounds on the 
special diet. I eat only Fox's pizza three days a week, or <laughs> uh, three times a day. And uh, they have the best. They are the best pizza shop on Allegheny River Boulevard in the uh, 500 block, <laughs> 400 block. But uh, and also there's Liberty Welding. I don't want to let that go unsaid. You know these free points. If you ever need your car welded on or uh, anything fabricated, that uh, TJ Ferrari or Bill Ferrari, Liberty Welding on Washington Boulevard are great places to go. So we got those plugs in, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. We got yeah. them in. Okay. Did I so miss the, any plugs? I don't think so. The truck that you drove, I remember because I used to live on Virginia, right by the cigar shop. Was mm-hmm. that the the truck that was logoed up, the white truck. With Momentum the, Ventures. Is that what that was? Yeah, yeah. Momentum Ventures. That's yeah. the present business that we have. And Do you still uh, have both trucks? Still have both trucks. We uh, This month, we're on our way to a record month again. Um, so record months are always exciting. That's so fun. But they're always followed by your record low months, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> like, yeah, we, we were talking about family, and I closed for a week in February like because I can't not spend time with my family. Mm-hmm. And the first year we did it, I was like, oh, well, this is going to be terrible. You know, you lose all this money. And then we came back and our customers just waited. So like we had this record February and now we're trying to like maintain that this year. And I'm, I'm like, it's not going to happen. Gonna happen. Yeah. No. Like it's, we're not even close. I just close every other month. That's it. <laughs> just every other week, just shut it down. Yeah. 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 It's fun to watch businesses grow. I think that if you have that nature in you, and that excites you, then you'll be fine in business because oh, yeah. you'll do whatever you got to do to like make the next month better. You know, that's my the the biggest thing I like enjoy about my business. Yeah. It's, it's not watching my business grow; it's watching my clients' businesses grow. To come up with, I mean, I have a client that back in 2015, his they he was working for a company making remanufacturing torque converters for automatic transmissions, and I met with him and two other guys and. They all got laid off because they shut the plant down and their decision wasn't like, well, I guess we're going to retire, find another job. They were like, you know, they're leaving a big empty spot in this region because that they were the guy, they were the company in this region. And they were, the plan was that company was shutting down the Pittsburgh operation and they were going to service Pittsburgh from Tennessee. And he's like, that's not going to work. So these three guys put their minds together and started a company and now they're doing couple million dollars a year worth of torque converters and they have 15 employees and a facility in Penn Hills and it's been fun to watch it that's my favorite part of this business is is watching and having a hand in the growth the birth and growth of these companies so much fun yeah I think when I I was bugging you about that loan the loan process and you were like don't worry about it he was like I actually like this stuff yeah this is the part (laughs) yeah sorry I'm bothering you I'm like no this is the fun part of this this business yeah the day-to-day P&L is not so exciting. Yeah, no. But reconciling <laughs> bank savings is not part of my uh, what I love to do. Part of what I have to do. Yeah. But I'm I'm more into business development and uh, and things like that. That's my that's my bread. That's what I like. What's your favorite part of business? Oh boy, <laughs> a good question. Um, I guess. Uh, my favorite feeling is when I've helped somebody. Uh, you know, you, you, your customer's paying you to be there. Uh, but it's like an achievement. You know, it's like a sense of accomplishment. So I, like, I recently I did a job where you know, I went a little farther out of my territory in, uh, into North Carolina. And it was a logging 
truck, a logging company, and the logging company was a truck. And this one guy, and he had a need for my service. I, he said, somebody else recommended me. And I said, since you got the recommendation, yeah, I'll, I'll go out of my territory. And you go down there and uh, you're driving an hour and there's, you haven't passed a gas station. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, when you get to this guy's house in the middle of nowhere where they do all this logging, I guess, in North Carolina, and he's pulling his driveway, go around behind his barn and he's got his truck there and he's got his house where he lives and his wife who does the books and his daughter who comes back with the babies, you know, and there's like a little farm, but it's not a real fancy farm. It's just a nice farm. And you realize that all those people there are dependent on that truck running so he can bring money in to support yep. all of them. And you're able to help them. And, you know, you're like, wow, this is really a good thing. You know, I, I gave a discounted price for, you know, for where I was, I should have been charging them an extra two or three hundred dollars that I didn't. And you complete the job and they're so thankful that you got their business back up and operating. And that's where their true reward is. I mean, I probably drove uh, an extra three hours than I would from anybody else. Uh, so it's just a sense of accomplishment, I think. That's, I don't, the financial part, it usually follows. Yeah. Uh, whatever your reward mechanism is, mine is a sense of accomplishment. And as you have these senses of accomplishment, if you're a list worker, meaning I make a list every night before I go to bed and I check off that list during the day. Um, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. And you do that list and you do another list and you, next thing you know, you, you got some money in the bank. You know? yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah, I'd say a sense of accomplishment is, that feeling is, is good for me. It's rewarding. Money's a tool, but if you have, we go back to passion, God's mm -hmm. balls to do it, you know, that'll, it'll, it'll yeah. come. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you would have told me 10 years ago that I, I would have completed uh, 150 tractor trailer axle repairs, <laughs> I'd say you're crazy, <laughs> but I have, so it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. What's next? I know you, you, uh, started this other venture, but, um, Five, uh, ten I years, think, are you going fishing at some point? Or, yeah, you know, I, think, I, uh, think, I think what's next, you know, I'm going to be, we'll be 60 this year. You okay. know, my wife and I, I were born on the same day, the same hospital, and oh, wow. uh, our parents were actually roommates, too. So we had to get married. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I'm also a, a sacristist at St. Irenaeus. And, you know, I'll tell you a story. I don't know where, I'm probably going to get way off course, but... <laughs> Um, they have uh, these gluten-free hosts for com 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 communion. And if you're the sacristan, you've got to manage that. So people come back to the sacristy and they say, I need a gluten-free host. I need a gluten-free host. I said, okay, okay. Well, I had three requests for one mass, and then I, there's only one gluten-free host left. And I'm waiting for the priest. The priest shows up five minutes beforehand, this young guy, Levi, St. Ernest, and he comes back in. I says, I says, Father, you got, we got a problem. He goes, what's the problem? I says, I need three gluten-free hosts. We have one. He says, eh, I'll break it in three. <laughs> I says, you're a genius. <laughs> <laughs> so the day my wife and I were born, I, I believe that they were, you know, they were looking at souls, and we have some souls, and we're like, oh, shit, we're down to one soul. We got two kids here being born. 
they split our soul. So I got half, she got half. That's why I'm right-handed, she's left-handed. So I tell her that we're gonna, you know, when I, when I do pass, whenever that is, hopefully not in the near future, but she's gonna have to come with me. <laughs> I don't know if I can keep the soul separated for that long. But what's next for me, I think, is uh, I'm sure that there'll be more grandchildren coming and uh, in, on the short horizon, I'd say five years out is just to be able to just jump in the car with my wife and drive to Montana or North Carolina or wherever Gina and Gregory will be, <laughs> you know, and, and go visit for a week or two at a time and come back and spend more time running around like that. Because um, it's one thing when you have a business, you know, and you say you, when you're a business owner, you're working 24 hours a day. I have my phone sitting right over there. I'm off today, but in the back of my head, that phone can ring and I need to get up and, and take care of that customer. So I want to get away from that eventually. Uh, and just chill. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Put in your time. Yeah. So if anybody has a broken axle spindle, yeah. Who do they call? Well, if you're in uh, Western Pennsylvania, Southwestern <laughs> Pennsylvania, Eastern Ohio, uh, or Vir West Virginia, you'd call TJ Ferrari at Liberty Welding. And if you're in Virginia, you'd call me. Um, uh, but I'd rather that you get yourself a pizza from Fox's Pizza while you're wearing a <laughs> Topher cowboy hat. Uh, so I'm not looking for business. I think that... Uh, the, the, everything I have set up in my line of work uh, in my business area is at the right speed and the right level I want it to be. I don't want to be overwhelmed. I'm not there. Uh, I think being overwhelmed, it would be harder to find the transition comfortably. So, and I want to do it right. I don't want to have to short a customer. Yeah. You know, nothing worse than like I get excited when I get a, get a call for a job and a, Driving to that job and then the phone rings again. Uh, oh my God, I got a customer that I'm going to have to delay by three hours before I can respond, you know, and it, you just have a feeling of guilt. And it, it, wait a minute. It, it's okay. <laughs> That's a good thing. You're supposed to be backlogged. Yeah. I don't know. Anything else? I think that was a good one. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate sitting down with you. It's, uh, I think we're all kind of shooting for what you got type of thing. Ah. Like a patriarch and successful life well it's uh nice it's, it's uh you know it's, it's just life that's all I, I enjoy what i do you got to enjoy yourself for who you are and what you have and i got a, a my biggest achievement i think ever is uh is my beautiful family my wife my children um and having time with them they sacrificed time with me over the years <laughs> and i'd like to have them want me to be hanging around uh, and spending time with them in the future where I couldn't in the past. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, I think it's important to just appreciate everybody around you at all times. And you never know when um, they're going to be there to help you. And if you can reach out to help them, it's always a good thing. So, yeah. Well, I said a minute, I, I appreciate it. It's always good to talk to people that are where we want to be someday. So yeah. I appreciate you sitting down with us. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. All right, All right Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Nice talking with Another you. Another episode of Between Two Bridges. Mm -hmm.
Thank you for listening to Between Two Bridges, a business-to-business podcast. Find and follow us on your preferred podcast streaming platform. Like and subscribe, and leave us a rating and review. You can join us socially on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Yes, we still call it Twitter. You can email the show at info at betweentwobridgespodcast.com. Until next time, make it till you rake it.